In this series of lessons, we are exploring the fact that faith is the victory. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, not someone else's faith, but our faith. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about a faith relationship. That's fundamental to our relationship with God, my God and I. Beginning this evening and each lesson through Wednesday evening, we will be focusing on Hebrews chapter 11. We will talk about the components of faith. We will talk about running with the winners. We will talk about why their faith was victorious and over what their faith was victorious. And then we will close by talking about the other side of faith the need of perseverance in God's kingdom. This morning, we are talking about the object of our faith. And the object of our faith, of course, is Jesus Christ. Our conviction, our commitment, our trust must be in Jesus Christ. We must set our eyes upon him and we must follow him. Following the great 11th chapter, as the 12th chapter begins, mentioning all these worthies of faith and heaven's hall of fame of faith, the writer says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Today, in this lesson, we're going to deal with two questions, and we're going to deal with two facts. We'll begin with those facts. We'll spend a little more time on them than the last two. So if I spend a little more time on the first two points, don't sweat it. We will get through some time before 5 o'clock. <laughs> what is what the object of our faith is not? We'll talk about that first. And then we'll talk about the fact that Christ is the object of our faith. And then the two questions, is Christ the object of your faith? And how can we strengthen our faith in Christ? I want to spend a little time talking about the fact about what the object of our faith is not. I want us to begin by realizing that the object of our faith is not a preacher. Now, I love preachers, and I assure you as I begin to make these comments that I have nothing against preachers. I are one. Several years ago when we were preaching at uh, Hartsville, one of our deacon's wives was having surgery at the Gallatin Hospital. You all know where Gallatin is, don't you? at the Galton Hospital, and I got there that morning, and she was kind of wired because she was nervous about the surgery, and that's kind of her nature anyway. 
but she was really upset about the fact that in the room where she was waiting, there had been four preachers from some denominational group in the room with the other woman down on their all fours in the floor, all praying out loud at the same time, and it scared her to death. The other lady had been taken to surgery, and our friend was about to go, but those preachers had told her that before she went to surgery, they'd be back to pray with her. Well, her husband is telling me this as we're standing in the doorway there of the hospital room, and we looked up, and he said, oh, no, here they come. I said, you go in and be with your wife, and I'll take care of it. So when they came, I just stood in the door. I can pretty well block a door. And I just stood in the door. It wasn't ugly, but I just stood there, and they said, do you all need preachers? And they said, no, fellas, we appreciate it. They're right now prepping her to take her out of the room. Appreciate it very much, but no, we don't. And one of them is just kind of a cut-up, I guess. He said, what's the matter? Don't you like preachers? And I looked at him, and I said, I don't know how I kept a straight face, but I looked at him, and I said, fella, my wife's in love with a preacher. <laughs> and you talking about saying scat to a cat. I never saw four fellas go down the hallway any quicker in my life. I, I am a preacher. And some of my dearest friends on this earth are preachers. God had one son and he was a preacher. The prophets of old, many of them were preachers. The apostles were preachers. Some of the greatest and most influential men in my lives have been gospel preachers. And preaching is essential to salvation and to the spread of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 1.21, the Bible says, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those that believe. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I am a preacher. I may not be a good one, but I'm a big one. So you can tell everybody you're having a big preacher this week. I, I've got a card in my pocket that says I'm a preacher. I, I pass them out to people so they'll know. I have little children. I had them at a, at a wedding last night walk up to me, look up and say, hi, preacher. I'm a preacher. So this is not anything against preachers. But folks, the preacher is not the object of our faith. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, you see that this was a problem in the early church. At Corinth, there were those who were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and I of Christ. Notice how Paul responds to that problem in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 13. He asked the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Folks, preacheritis was a problem in the first century church. It is a problem with some folks today. Brother so-and-so said, oh, brother so-and-so's most wonderful thing since light bread. What's the problem with that? What happens when the preacher falters? And he's the object of our faith. Then our faith will falter. What happens if the preacher leaves and he's the object of our faith? Will our faith leave? What if the preacher dies? Will our faith die? Folks, the preacher is not the object of our faith. Some prominent person or group of persons is not the object of my faith. I think with some people it is. 
well, brother so-and-so said it was all right. Well, is brother so-and-so the criteria for our faith? Well, mother and dad never did, and I don't think I have to. Are mother and dad the standard of our faith? Folks, other people, no disrespect intended, but other people are not the object of our faith. Did they die for you? Do they have all authority? Are they inspired of God? Were you baptized in their name? Are they the Lord of your life? We need to take very seriously what the Apostle Paul said and not think beyond what is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. And we should only follow other people or imitate others as they imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Our parents, we love them, we respect them, but our parents are not the object of our faith. You remember what Jesus said? Matthew 10, verse 37, that we must love the Lord more than we love mother or father. He who loves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. Love your parents, honor your parents, but don't have a traditional hand-me-down faith. You do a disservice to your parents if you do that. And so no man or group of men is to be the object of our faith. Let me tell you why. Men falter and stumble and fall. And if they are the object of our faith, then when they falter, we'll falter. When they stumble, we'll stumble. And when they fall, we will fall. We will be totally disillusioned. Folks, men cannot give you rest. But Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Matthew 11, verse 28. Men cannot direct themselves. Jeremiah 10, 23. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Let me suggest next, and this might seem strange that I would mention this at first, but I think you'll understand in a moment, that a certain congregation is not the object of our faith. Oh yes, it happens. Here is Brother A, and Brother A is a very faithful member of his home congregation. But then Brother A moves to another locality and he never darkens the door of the church building. He never is involved in the work of the congregation. He goes back to visit his home congregation. He attends every service. He might even participate in some of their service activities. Now, what do you conclude from that? Folks, wasn't the Lord in both places? If Jesus is the Lord of his life, wouldn't he worship God at both places? As a matter of fact, wherever he was? Isn't the Lord deserving of his worship and his service wherever he is? See, this is a situation where Christ was not the object of his faith. The home congregation was the object of his faith. Folks, if Christ is the object of our faith, then we will be faithful wherever we go, wherever we are. 
If I move to the North Pole and there's not a congregation of God's people there, there'll be one when I get there. And let me say this, and I'm not aiming at your toes. Somebody may go out and say, preacher, you stepped on my toes. I don't know how I can keep stepping on your toes when I'm aiming at your heart. This is for your heart, okay? If we go on vacation, we don't take a vacation from the Lord. How many members of the church plan their vacation so that they travel on the Lord's day and do not worship the Lord? We need to think about that. Is Christ the object of our faith or is the home congregation the object of our faith? Next, let me mention that some program is not the object of our faith. I sometimes wonder if we are not programming ourselves to destruction. We need to be concerned if we are luring people with programs and gimmicks and gadgets. It's attributed that Brother Keeble said, if we draw people with ice cream and chicken, then when we stop the ice cream and the chicken, they'll be as cold as the ice cream and as dead as the chicken. That's not how we draw people. We draw them with the truth. We are not committed to programs. We are committed to the Lord. When we lived in Owensboro, Kentucky, we had a couple move from a town in Illinois, members of the church. Busing was a big thing in those days. They worked in the busing program over in that congregation in Illinois. As a matter of fact, once a month, they would travel 100 miles back over there to work in the busing program on Sunday. But in Owensboro, Kentucky, they never darkened the door of the church building. Now, what I want to know is this. Was the Lord the object of their faith or was busing the object of their faith? Folks, if the Son of God is the object of our faith, we're on solid ground. But if a program is the object of our faith, then we drop the program and some brother quits. Or if the gimmick fades, then our faith fades as well. You know, if Christ is the object of our faith, programs can come and programs can go. One of our biggest problems in the church today is we don't know when to quit trying to ride a dead horse. I mean, if the horse is dead, unsaddle him and get you another horse. If the program has run its course, maybe it was very effective one time, but maybe it's lost all of its energy. Drop the program. Get you another program. We need to love the Lord and use programs, not love programs and use the Lord. Are you listening to me? Christ is the object of our faith. Let me suggest to you next that success is not the object of our faith. Now, we all want to be successful. But is that the object of our faith? What if God told you, like he told the prophet of old, to go and do his mission, but your mission's going to be a failure? Would you be faithful anyway? What if you knew that a soul would never be converted, the congregation would never grow, would you still be steadfast in the faith? I've heard people say, well, I will be involved in the work of the church as long as I see results. Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Think about that. 
Do we have a different Lord of victories than a different Lord of defeats? Interesting story, 1 Kings chapter 20. I'll mention verse 28. The Syrian army had been defeated repeatedly by the children of Israel. They got the idea because they've been defeated every time in the mountains. Their God is a God of hills, not a God of valleys. Well, we'll fight them in the valley and we'll whip them. Guess what? They were defeated again. Because our God is a God of hills and our God is a God of valleys. He's a God everywhere that we serve. Noah. Was Noah successful? I had a preacher tell me one time that Noah was not a successful preacher. I beg to differ with that. You better look in Hebrews chapter 11. He's in heaven's hall of fame of faith, isn't he? Noah didn't save anybody but himself and his own family. I think that's a very successful man, don't you? How do we look at this success thing? Now, I don't want to be misunderstood on this point, but the object of our faith is not some doctrinal point. Don't want to be misunderstood. Doctrine is important. We must abide in the doctrine of Christ, 2 John verse 9. We must know the truth to be free, John 8, 32. We must earnestly contend for the faith, Jude 3. Any teaching that divorces the doctrine of Christ from following Christ is a false doctrine. But I'm afraid that some people have the cart before the horse. They are converted to a teaching and not to Christ. They're converted to a system and not to the Savior. I love what Acts 8 verse 35 says. When Philip went, it says he preached Jesus to him. Let me tell you why I am a member of the Church of Christ. It is not because we teach that baptism is for the remission of sins. I am not a member of the Church of Christ because we do not use mechanical instruments of music in worship. I am a member of the Church of Christ because of the Lord. And because the Lord taught that we're to be baptized to be saved. And the Lord taught that we are to sing in praise to him, Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. Are you understanding the distinction I'm making here, folks? You know how to communicate? Got it? You understand the distinction we're making? Micah 6 and verse 7, will the Lord be pleased? We do what we do, not because that's the teaching of the church. We do what we do because that's the teaching of the Lord. And so we need to remember who the object of our faith is. Now, obviously Christ is the object of our faith. Turn to Galatians. If you look in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. How do we become children of God? You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. How do we live the Christian life? Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless not I that live, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible, the New Testament, focuses on faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I'm asking you that question. That is a profound question. That is a very important question. Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Our answer ought to be that of the eunuch, shouldn't it? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. Now many have made something cheap out of faith in Christ. Many profess faith in Christ but live in open rebellion to his will. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, the master said, and do not the things that I say, Luke 6 and verse 46. Many profess faith in Christ but refuse to surrender their lives. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Matthew 16, 24. Many profess faith in Christ, but they're indifferent to his will. So then, because you're lukewarm and either hot or cold, I would vomit you out of my mouth, Revelation 3 and verse 16. Many would profess faith in Christ, but they put him to an open shame by living worldly lives. Read Matthew 13, 41 and 42 about those that will be expelled from the kingdom at the Lord's coming. Folks, many have made something cheap out of faith in Christ. And so now the question, is Christ the object of your faith? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1.21. Can you say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. Can you say with the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, For I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Can you say with Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, verse 10, speak for your servant hears. Can you say with Isaiah, Isaiah 6, verse 8, here am I, send me. Can you say with Saul of Tarsus, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you realize that became the theme of the Apostle Paul's life? From Acts 9, verse 6 on, it was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? In John 8, 31, Jesus said that if we abide in his word, then are you my disciple indeed. What is a disciple? The Greek word, mathetes, suggests one who is a learner. A disciple is, first of all, a learner of his teaching, a follower of his will, an understudy, one who imbibes his spirit and follows his example. 
Is Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you, is he the Lord of your life? What's that word Lord mean? The Greek word kurios means master, sovereign, ruler, controller. For Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life, we must be grounded in his teaching, we must be committed to his will, and we must be involved in his work. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Thomas declared, my Lord and my God. Is he truly your Lord and your God? Folks, we need great faith with Jesus as its object. We face an unbelieving world. We know so many who are struggling in their faith who desire our help. But my own faith, my own is not as strong as I want it to be. How about you? I truly hope that this series of lessons this week will help to strengthen our faith. And so let's conclude with this question just for a moment. What can we do to strengthen our faith? Study his word. Faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. It makes the object of our faith nearer when we study the word of our Lord. What do we need to do? We need to commit our lives. Mary, the mother of Jesus at the Cana wedding, gave some wonderful advice to the servants in reference to Jesus. It's wonderful advice for us. In John 2 and verse 5, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. There is no shortcut to salvation to the abundant life, and to glory. Jesus said, follow me. It's that simple, and it is that profound. If Jesus is the object of your faith, and Jesus says, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, you'll believe in him, John 8, 24. If Jesus says, unless you repent, you will perish, Luke 13, 3 and 5. If Jesus is the object of your faith, you'll repent. If Jesus says to believe and to be baptized to be saved, and he does, Mark 16, 16, and Jesus is the object of your faith, then that is what you will do. And if Jesus is the object of your faith and the Lord of your life, and Jesus says, you be faithful until death. And he does, Revelation 2.10, then that is what you will do. Let's make sure that Jesus is the object of our faith. And if you want to surrender to his lordship today, we invite you to come as we stand, as we sing.